God just told me it was time to preach this, so I'm, I am. How many of y'all, don't put the verse up there yet, but how many of you people in this room know the verse, Jeremiah 29, 11? In the beginning, God created no. the heavens. Every youth pastor in America knows that verse. Correct? Every one of them. Jeremiah 29, 11 has got several different, whatever translation you use, it, it, it says the same thing. Y'all can put the one up here. I don't know which, which um, version y'all used. Yeah, this is the New King James, and in, in, in I think it is in the King, I can't remember which one, but I think it was the King James original, the, the original King James. It says, I have a plan for you to prosper you, to not harm you, and give you an expected end. God has a plan for every person in this room right now. The problem is, most people don't know what the plan is. They never find their path. They never find their calling. They never find their way in the world because what? They don't take the time to find out what the plan is. God has for your life is. Life is so much easier when you have a plan. Life is really easier when you have God's plan and you're out there seeking it every day, every day. If you, you can't be in the will of God if you don't know the plan of God. There's no way that it's possible. You can't say, I'm in the will of God, and do absolutely nothing for him and call that a plan that God has. It's just that's not possible. It doesn't exist. It's finally clicking, Michael. We've got to know what the plan of God is for our lives, or we're never going to pursue the greatness that God placed inside each and every one of us. We've got to pursue that. We've got to find out what it is. And the thing is, it's the easiest thing in the world to find out. It's just people don't know how. Why? Because they don't pursue it. They don't pursue what's going on. That deeper relationship with God. This is, this is, this is going to be crazy statistic to me. It was to me anyway. Roughly... Well, a little less than 10% of non-denominational churches in America, we're talking Bible-thumping, pew-jumping, tongue-talking churches, less than 10%, less than 10% of the people in those ch churches are actively pursuing the voice of God in their life. Less than 10, that means if, if our church fits into that national deal, that means that only 10% of the people in this room know the voice of God or actively pursue it. So, it, and that doesn't even, that, 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 just because you know the voice of God and, and, and recognize it, 
when it comes, that doesn't mean that you're pursuing God's plan for your life. So we're saying less than 10% of full gospel churches are not actively pursuing what God has placed them on this earth to do, and that's sad. That's really, really, really sad. Did that surprise y'all? That surprised me. If 10% of, of the churches aren't actively pursuing God, what are they doing? Why do you go to church? If you don't, <clears throat> if you don't have a plan, if you don't have God's plan, life's going to be a disaster and Ginger, Ginger bought a new car uh, yesterday. Friday. Friday. Yeah. So I went with her. And I went with her. I was so excited. And um, <laughs> and so that was funny. Anyway, you know, you go through the deal and they, you know, you give them a check for your deposit or down payment or whatever it is, and, and, and then they run your credit and they came back and, you know, you get, you get good credit score and all that stuff and, and uh, go, go through. And this man, you finally get to the place where the ordeal is about to be over, except that you have to sign your name 587 times, Right? Promise them your firstborn, your kidney if they ever need one. Whatever the, you know, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. But this guy was, he was a nice guy. He was a good Christian guy. He was not a really nice fellow. But on the light switch, he had a saying, a, a quote, right by his light switch. Now, I noticed it immediately, and I, I put it on my phone. Because y'all know I collect those things. I don't know why, but I just, it's just, it's, I'm weird. And, uh, and then Ginger saw it. And she pointed it out to him and asked him about it. Now, this is the quote. All the water in the world cannot sink a ship unless it has a hole in it. And I thought, that's a pretty cool quote, I guess, you know, but it really not, it's not Shakespeare, you know. It's not Winston Churchill, you know. I mean, so Ginger just pointed out to him, well, that's, that's pretty cool. You know? He said, yeah, he said, he said, when I turn out my lights to go to, to, to leave this job, I read that. And I'm thinking, well, what is a stinking meaning? Really, you know, and and then and then because I was looking, I was looking at a different way, and then God showed me yesterday, brought that little thing back to me yesterday, and and the quote, I put the quote down again, and and all the water. Did you know that seventy five percent of the this planet is water? And the big then and the thing that's going to bring this world down is a lack of clean water. 
eventually. All the water in the world, 75% of the planet, all the water in the world can't sink a ship unless it has a hole in it. Do you know what, the wa you know what water symbolizes in the Bible? The Holy Spirit. See, we need a bunch of holy churches, churches full of holes so that the water can rush in the Holy Spirit can come in and overtake and get that desire to pursue the best for your life. There is. The best that God has for you. There, your life can be so much greater than it is right now when you know exactly what God has planned for you. When you go from, from point A to point B, because God doesn't show you the end, never shows you the end of where you're going to be. He only shows you the next step. That's all he shows you is the next step. And when you complete that, he's going to give you another step. So if you're not hearing the voice of God and you're not, you're not hearing God give you a, a plan, a step to take, it means that you're not pursuing him. It means that it doesn't matter. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not all fired up and let's go and... Uh, Yee, riding the Holy Ghost mule, you know. I mean, I'm not always that. I'm not always that way, you know. There's times when I just, I just don't want to go. Paul's time for church. I know. You ever heard a pastor say that? If you ask them and they say no, they're lying. They have to, they have to deal with some, they have to deal with some stuff during the week, and then look at the people that are. That are, that are dealing with this stuff sometimes and, and preach a message and you know all their mail and you've got a message and you don't, God gives you something for them and, you, and then it's, you're like, oh. And you're saying, God, I don't want to preach that. I don't want to preach. I want to preach that message that you gave me several, uh, over a month ago. I want to preach that. I don't want to preach this. I don't want to tell people in our congregation, you've got to pursue God more. You've got to find out the plan for your life. I don't want to beat that into their heads. But I've got to, not lovingly, <laughs> lovingly beat you in the head. No. No, but to get you to where you can succeed in life, I want you to thrive. I don't want you, I don't want you just surviving this life. I want you to thrive in this life. The only way to do that is find out what God's plan for this life is. We spend more time thinking about what's on the other side of death than we do on what's this side of death. And what, de what de determines the other side of death is what you do in this side of death. Oh, okay, anyway. All right. The reason I said that about the church is because if you're pursuing the call of God on your life and you want to pursue, find, find, find out the plan of God for your life and everything, there's certain things that you have to do. And number, and number one, if you, want to go, if you want to write down a number, this one would be number one. Value your church. Oh. I, I, you know, 
I talk to people a lot, you know, and I ask them, I ask pretty much the same questions. You know, I, my world is, is not as, as large as some people, so, I, but, but anyway, I says, go church, yeah, 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 watch it, watch it every Sunday. So I always ask the same question, you know, the people that watch people have church and they call themselves having church, you know, that, that. So I found out, I found a new excuse. Some of them said, you know what, it's just we love being at home at church, you know, and, and we don't like being around all those germs. I said, COVID's over. COVID devalued the church, and that's what its goal was in the first place, in my opinion. But I heard this one. Never heard this one before. I've heard a lot of, of reasons that people have church at home. I don't, I shouldn't say that. I'm, so, I'm sorry. It's not reasons that they have watched church at home, excuses for why they don't go to church. I found one this week. I, I, I never heard it before. Guy said, I can watch church with no clothes on. I can just, I can just, I can just, have, you know, I don't know what was going through the guy's head. Nothing really, but uh, he said, I can worship God just the way he created me. That guy had to be joking. I don't know, but he seemed serious. But I'd never heard that one before. But see, he doesn't value church, so he's never going to pursue God or Jesus, the head of the church, the way he's not going to get there. Why? Because he doesn't value church. I'm telling you, you need to value the people around you. You need to value the people around I'm telling you, we've got a close-knit group of people. We've got so many groups that go out and do this and that and this and that. And, and, and it's hard. It's sometimes when new people come in, they slide through the cracks because we're so close. You know, and we sometimes don't let them in the group or not purposely, you know, but accidentally. But if they're here, they value church. And if they're here, they're valuable to us. We're going to value them more than they value church. That's what we've got to do. If you want to find out the plan of God for your life, value your church. Let me see. I, got, I know I got more about that because I've. I don't know. I don't know, Paul. Yeah, what the heck? We don't know the plan because we don't value the church, right? Okay. If you don't value the church, then we don't value our children. I was a drug baby just like Ginger was. You know, we were drugged to church every time. But Ginger liked church. I did, and I hated it. I did. I hated everything about church. I'm, I'm not lying. I hated everything about church growing up. Back when I got older, you know, I mean, I had, I had to go on Sunday night. That's when only the nerds go to church on Sunday night and Wednesday night. The, you know, and, and there I was. So me and a, a friend of mine, 
he was drugged to church too, but he, he's dead now. He, terrible. But um, we just go we just go smoke weed before church, and it was church is more interesting when you're stoned. It's just what we did. I mean, it's a way we could get through it. I mean, you know, I mean, I'd eat like two two bags of sweet tarts during church, but. It's just, you know, I mean, I hated it. But Ginger loved church. She still, she loves church. I love this church. I didn't love what I, what I was raised up in, you know. But this, I love this. I love this. I value this. I tell you what. Ask him and his wife. Gosh, they value this church. They looked for something for how many years? We all were gone? Six or more? Seven, eight years. They couldn't find, they valued this church, but they couldn't find another church they really fit into the whole time, you know? And, 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 they, and, they, and they kept searching. They never gave up the search, but they couldn't find what they were. They were going to church, but they were going to different churches just trying to find something because they valued what we have here. And they were searching for that. And thank God he, they, they, God brought them back to us. I mean, whew. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Next one. People see us live our lives, and they know who we are. You can say whatever you want to say. But that doesn't make you who you are. What you do makes you who you are, not what you think. And you know who sees through that faster than anybody? The small ones. They hear mama. They hear daddy at home. And they hear them on Sunday, and they know something's not right. I'm not, I'm not talking about anybody. I never had that growing up. My mom and my dad were pretty much the same every day. I mean, it didn't matter what day, whether it was a Sunday or a Saturday, it didn't matter. You know, that's, that's just who they were. You didn't have to. In other words, you can't just talk the talk. You've got to walk the walk. Every single day, no matter how hard it gets, you've got to walk the walk. Why? Because that's God's plan. It's not God's plan for you to talk about the plan. It's God's plan for you to get involved and go and do whatever it is that you have to do. I, I made this point of you uh, quite a while back you may remember it but it gets, stands true to do good we have to be good does that make sense it makes sense to me we can't we can't have a talk life and a live life we're we're created for good works we can't do good works if we're not good people it's not possible I know the Good or God book, and I, and I love it and everything, but this is not what I'm, this is different, what I'm talking about. 
You've got to be good to do good. I'm talking about a godly good to do godly things. You've got to be good to do good. Are you held to a higher standard? Yeah. If you're a Christian, you are. And if you're in ministry, you're definitely held to one. Okay. We're required to find God's plan. We're not defined by what we do. We are defined by what we do, not what we say. Here we go. Let's find out God's plan for your life, not your plan of a godly life. See, people think that if they live a godly life, that's the plan. It's not. That's your plan of a godly life. That's not God's plan for your life. You've got to find out what God wants to do with you because he's placed all of these wonderful tools inside of you and you can't get them out until you're involved, until you know the plan, until you get into what God has for you. Man, I just, my prayer, every time we pay for a dedicated baby, y'all, I'm sure you may have picked up on it, I always pray for their future. I don't pray for, I pray for them here and now and dedicate them, but I pray for them down the road, that they find their path early in life. I always say that. I even pray for their spouse that may not even been bo be born yet. It's important. That kind of stuff's important. That's what family does. Find out God's plan for our life, not our plan of a godly life. All right. God's plan for my life is small. I've heard that. But if you do the small things your entire life, that's a great work. Besides that, we, we're created by a big God with big ideas, with big plans, for you, his people, his designated people to get things done on this planet. When you step over into the Christian life, you, it's not just for you. It's got to be bigger than that. It's got to be. Oh. Jerry. Pastor Jerry Lackey, he, he deals with secular people all the time and because they do a lot of business with safari companies and, and things like that. And so a lot of business. And so he has a lot of conversations with secular people. And, and, and being with him so often, I've, I have heard him say this more than on one occasion because, you know, everybody knows who he is in Botswana. They call him a do-gooder. And um, so I was with him one day, and this guy asked me, he said, why did you choose to do all of this? And he said, well, never mention God, but he always has a hook in it, and so that they'll bring it up. He said, well, my wife and I, we decided right after we got married 
that we wanted to make our lives mean something. And I'm telling you, every single time, they'll ask him, are you a religious man? Is this, is this a God thing or something? And that's a hook every time it brings them in. Every time. Little things over a lifetime are huge. Huge, huge, huge. How do we find a plan? Okay. Matthew 10, 39, give, give it to me. Make your life mean something. That's what the scripture really means. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. That's what that means right there. A life lived for yourself dies with you, and a life lived for others echoes through eternity. It always does, always has, always will. That's just the way that it is. Okay. The plan of God, this is important. This is probably the most important thing I'm going to say today. Pursuing the plan of God for your life is not what you're supposed to be doing. Pursuing Him and then the plan comes because it's relational. You want to know what God's plan is? Get close to him, and he will show you. Pursue him and not the plan, and the plan will come. But I'm talking about actively pursuing him day in, day, in, day out. When you don't feel like getting up and coming, oh, Lord, I've got to go. You know? Pursue him. All right. These next two things are pretty much self-explanatory. Plan will require a couple things, all right? Obedience. Go to Exodus. My scripture in Exodus, Exodus 19.5. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then, if you're obedient, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. In other words, if you're obedient, then the blessing comes. Obedience is strong, man. I mean, strong. Why would he give a plan to somebody who was not obedient and not going to carry it out. It's not going to happen. Go to Romans 1, 5. I've got another one in there. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Old Testament, New Testament, does not change. Does not change. Obedience, obedience, obedience. Can't. You cannot be in disobedience and be in the will of God. It is not possible. It's just not. 
You've got to be obedient. If you want to live the good life on this side of the grave, you got to. Go to Deuteronomy 28. Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of your God to observe carefully all the commandments which I command you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth and the blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because what did he what what? Blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey. You're not going to, if you're a disobedience, you're going to have a rough life. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. And probably even rougher after death. Disobedience is, is, is not acceptable to God. Disobedience is the reason Jesus came to get so that we could go through him to be in Obedience. First Samuel says this, says that obedience, Jupiter says this all the time. <clears throat> obedience is better than sacrifice. And that, that, that is true. But sacrifice is required. Everything done in the Bible is based off of sacrifice and blood. Everything. Correct? Who sacrificed their life for us? Yes, and if you were in children's church, they did they get that one right? Jesus. Everything is about sacrifice. Jesus sacrificed his life when he took on your identity. Went to the cross, the grave, and to heaven. He expects you to sacrifice your life and take on his identity. To be called by his name, Christian. The root word of Christ. Sacrifice is required every single day. He was obedient and he sacrificed. Our life has got to be based on the same things. And if we want to find a plan and find our path in life, we have to be obedient and we have to sacrifice. I saw a, a, a thing the other day and I wrote it down and it says until you haven't sacrificed everything you've no, you haven't sacrificed enough Woo. until you've until you haven't sacrificed everything you never you haven't sacrificed enough take up your cross and follow me yeah well that's what Paul said I die daily I sacrificed my life, my old life that I had. That man's dead and gone. 
I die daily. I sacrifice daily. Every day I sacrifice. If you don't, you're going the way of the world. Sacrifice is taking ourselves out of that world. Not out of it so we can't win, but what I'm talking about is trying to keep the world from penetrating and getting in here. There's things that we have to sacrifice to do that. One of the biggest sacrifices you have to make is time because they don't make it. I can't go back five minutes ago and change anything. That time has passed. I don't fear death, but I do fear a wasted life. We have sacrificed our time with prayer. Sacrificed our time with fasting. We sacrifice by just living the life. Being a part of something bigger than yourself. A community of believers that actually want to make a difference in their community and in the world. It's unique. I know there are a lot of people say it, and they, but, you know, I don't see a lot of people doing it. I don't see a lot, of, a lot of churches doing it. It's just the way we have to be. Go to Romans 12.1, talking about sacrifice. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living what? A living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Sacrifice. What are you talking about, Paul? If it don't cost you nothing, it's not worth a whole lot, right? Sacrifice. All right, how do you do it? Find out God's plan. Value the church. Don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. Make your life mean something. Pursue him and not the plan and live a life of sacrifice and disobedience. I'm sorry. Live a life, life, life of sacrifice. I did it. I read it. I actually put it on my paper. Obedience. Oh. I mean, I mean I'm, that's what happens when you should be doing this. Shakespeare said this one time. He said, home is the most powerful word in the English language. Man, I, think, I thought about that for months and months and months and months and months. And he's right. Because home is where you come to. Home is where you prepare to make your living. Home is where you have your family. Home is where you raise your kids. Home is, it is, it's the most powerful word in the English language. I've thought and I've thought and I've thought and I can't find anything else. But the thing is, your home is here too. You're powerful. You're more powerful together than you ever will be. Separate. Why? Because you're home. This is your home church. You value church. You come here. You have friends here. Y'all do things together out in the week that I, you know, I don't see you, you know, but all of you, but y'all are, y'all are family. Y'all are home. 
Did you know that part, that is part of the plan is just getting up and going? Just getting up and going is part of the plan. So I... This is home. It's home to me. I don't know what my life would be without this place. I know it wouldn't be near as nice. But I know the plan. I know the next step. And I'm not worried about the step after that. Because I've got another step to worry about. I won't complete the task before me. Stand on your feet. How many of you want, want to actively pursue the plan of God in your life? And let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Father, we just right now, Father, 